everybody, and welcome to another episode of Provoke, the podcast that takes a provocative look at advertising as a whole. I'm your host, Brian Wilder, and we have a couple of guests in the studio today to talk about UX and UI, where it is, where it's going, you know, what some best practices and, and really just like kind of how it's going to affect the advertising industry moving forward. So if you guys can go ahead and introduce yourselves real quick. Hi, I'm Ken. I'm glad to be back. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have been on the yeah, show before. That's right. Before. Um, I'm Julio, um, Asset State Creative Director. Okay. So, guys, I kind of just want to kick it off. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much a novice when it comes to this. Um, I have my thoughts, but I want to hear it from the the professionals in the room. So, what, what exactly is the difference between between user was it user interface, interface and user experience? Uh, Julio, take this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, UI is uh, in charge of uh, overall the statics and look and feel of the website. Right. Um, you know, they, they, they work with softwares like um, uh, Adobe Experience, um, Sketch, Photoshop, right. Illustrator. And Adobe, um, sorry, UX experience is more, uh, it's responsible for the user experiences mm-hmm. on the website or, okay. uh, you know, application. Uh, it's more like the analytical an analytical part, like uh, they do they do user testing, flowcharts, sitemaps, wireframes. Uh, they do a lot of research, and that's that's basically it. Yeah, I think to add on to that, I would I would say um, UX design is much more heavily tied into um, you know information flow mm-hmm. and uh, and and just how the user can intuit getting from one place to another or getting right. the information that they need. Right. And UI is uh, about taking that information flow and putting an element of, you know, aesthetics and graphic design into it. Okay. So, I mean, in, in y'all's experiences, have there any kind of, if there have been any kind of like common misconceptions between the two that you've come across? Oh yeah. Nobody knows the difference. <laughs> <laughs> Even in, including the professionals? Oh, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's a lot of times you really can because they go so well hand in hand you really can't have one effectively without the other right um and i think because of that it's almost sometimes used interchangeably Mm -hmm. yeah i mean good good user experience and good ui depend on each other and they need to you know ux needs to consider like the ui of the website as well you know the ui needs to consider the, the ux of the website right so is it a situation where you can be strictly one or the other or is is there is there even any separation between the two? Because I've seen people who have kind of like announced themselves, oh, I am a UX designer and that's it, or I'm a UI designer and and that's it. Like, is it even possible to kind of separate the two? Um, well, sure. Uh, I actually I have an anecdote for this because uh, I have a friend who is a UX designer and he right. will say that very adamantly because he works closely with a UI designer. Okay. So what he does is he'll he'll wireframe, he'll build the uh, the application, uh, you know, he's an app designer. And uh, then he has his UI designer that once everything has been structured out mm-hmm. and and the user flow has been planned, uh, he will just hand that off to his UI designer who uh, he will just tout that guy's ability for right. days as someone who works graphically as a wizard. Right. Um, so I would say, yeah, there's there's definitely some separation, but like I said, uh, they, they go so hand in hand that you, you can't have one effectively without the other. So mm-hmm. I would say to be, to be effective at doing one, you should have at least a working knowledge of the other. 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, I've always been curious about this, you know, how there are almost like arch nemesis within, within the industry, you know, it's like copywriters versus, versus art directors and, and so on and so forth. Is there a nemesis for, is there like an arch nemesis for, for UX UI? The developer <laughs> is well, the yeah. arch nemesis of the UI designer <laughs> and the UX designer has to reconcile those two things. Right. Okay. So kind of, it, kind of like go into that a little bit more, like what, what exactly, how do you, how does it, where does the headbutting occur? <laughs> um, Let it out, Julio. This is a therapy no, session. Fine. Um, <laughs> I think uh, a good uh, web designer or UI designer mm-hmm. uh, will have a lot of knowledge about web development and web development process. Right. Um, I think if you want to be successful at being like a UX a UI, you you need to know you have some knowledge about development. Right. Um, that being said, um, developers should. Sorry. No, go <laughs> um, Developers should uh, also have some knowledge about UX and UI. Right. Um, just because a good developer will be able to, you know, take a design and just make it real. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes developers skip, like, design choices just because it's, there's a way to do something faster. Exactly. Um, so Keeping I think timelines. that's, that's one where, where you have a problem. It's not really a problem. It's more like a you know, back and forward discussion yeah. with the developer. Yeah, it's a, it's a friendly, friendly <laughs> professional banter. Professional. <laughs> the, the key word is professional. Okay, so we're so we're moving along the the, the assembly line here. We've we've come to turn. We've we've reached a kind of a, a a middle ground with our web developer. Now it's time to kind of present the in the end product to clients like so for the for the people out there who are still trying to develop their their skills like what what kind of tips do you guys have for for really being able to present your best work and and have that work kind of stick right um something that really helped me out uh, a lot every time i have to present something is um showing prototypes okay. and animations okay um showing a wireframe to a client sometimes is they don't, they don't see it sometimes. Right. It's difficult for them to visualize that, you know, that that final product. Sure. And, you know, when you prototype something and you when you create those uh, animations, you, you're showing that to a client and and the client can actually see the final product with us touching a line of, of code mm-hmm. and saving a lot of development time. Right. Um, so that, that for sure will help me a lot. Okay. Presenting designs. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't understand that once we start building it, it's an entirely different, you know, it's it's an entirely um, new process than it was when we were just concepting. And, you know, the, the client has basically, we try and make it so the client has seen exactly what the site will look like right. uh, mm-hmm. before we do anything functional with mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah. So there, there have been instances that, I guess where a development team will literally show their client, a friend of mine was telling me about this a couple weeks ago, will literally show the client start to finish exactly like almost every version of the site up until the finished product within their final presentation. Is that something that you guys kind of uh, recommend or is it just maybe just like a one-off thing? Is Is that something that's even really like a standard practice in the industry? By every version, what do you mean? So say you'll start out with... 
start out with like a wireframe yeah. that's like just kind of loosely identified that's like loosely labeled and then you you'll they'll show um almost like almost like screenshots yeah, yeah. still images of how it developed over time while matching yeah. up with the actual project timeline up to the final product. Now, is that something like it does? It seems a little overkill. <laughs> I, I yeah. would argue that it's essential. Okay. Yeah, it is okay. essential. Okay. Because it's it's really is. There's a there's a lot. It's not um, it's not quite like graphic design in the sense that what you see is what you get. Right. Um. There's there's so much that goes into it. Uh. To make a website functional, I think it's really important to have the person that's commissioning that website be involved in the process as much as you can get them to be. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's fair. That's yeah, fair. You, you need a lot of like feedback from the client and right. it will be a, it is uh, crucial to have them involved in it every step mm-hmm. of the way. Um, so they are actually f- a part of the final product. So when they get to see the final product, they already know what's you know been happening in the whole process. Right. And you know they're, they're on the same page as we are. Right. Okay. So I'm going to throw a hypothetical at you guys real quick and just to see what your what your response would be. Um, you're given a creative brief. You've had a conversation with the client about exactly what they want the website to look like, how they want it to, to, to function. You spend weeks, if not months, developing and designing this site front and back. You present it to the client and the client tells you, this is not what I was looking for at all. This is not what I asked. What do you do? <laughs> that, that usually never happens. <laughs> I've never had anyone do this before. <laughs> Not because of your that, modesty, because, because we, 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 we take the client into consideration since the beginning. Right. So, like I said before, like they are involved in every step of the way. Like, right. they, they, when, when you have a sign up and you show that sign up to a client, the client already know what the expectations are about, you know, what pages the website is going to have. And when you get to the wireframes, the, the client already knows, you know, how the user flow is going to be and all, right. all, all that stuff. And when you get to the design, you already had a, a mood board mm-hmm. that, that we call, um, where we sh- where you you know show colors and and graphics to the client before you actually go into the final design. Right. So when the client gets the the, the final website, they are they are they are okay with it, and sometimes they are very excited. Okay. All right. Yeah. So yeah, going back to your point about you know it's different from graphic design. Um, it's the idea of, of like what you see, what you get versus like showing you exactly what's going to happen every step of the process. Yeah, I think yeah. that really underlines why that that is so essential. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and something that uh, that Julio taught me uh, is that. He's getting, he's, he's getting emotional. Hold on. <laughs> no, Hold on. no, no, no. Uh, it's definitely like a uh, mentor mentee situation right now. They're I, wearing matching shirts. <laughs> uh, you can't see it, but. Um, <laughs> Now you got me all embarrassed. <laughs> uh, something that something that, that I learned here is that um, it's it's really important to be able to back up your decisions in the design process with you know functional uh, user experience based data right. or maybe not necessarily data but you know understanding of why you chose the things you chose uh, yeah. because that's going to help the client feel a lot more at ease with mm-hmm. the way their things are being presented on their site, the way that the information about their, their business is being used. Um, and that also will, will lead you to, uh, 
will lead you away from any of those situations where they're like, oh, this isn't what I wanted. Right. Because um, they'll understand why you made those decisions and they'll trust that you are getting the client what they need. Right. Yeah. And I guess not to throw not to throw a graphic artist under the bus, but, you know, it's a, it's it's different in the sense like they certainly do it. too. Yeah. Yeah. They absolutely do it. But I think I see it more with UX UI and just like web development, just like a very data driven kind of approach to how you design. And it's it's very it's a lot more like left brain versus right brain in that sense. Um, it certainly can be. Yeah. Yeah. So to kind of uh, switch gears a little bit, I always I, I try when we talk when we do like industry based uh, episodes like this, I always want to kind of keep an eye towards the future, right? Um, so let's kind of talk about the future of UX and UI. Um, let's start by really kind of getting a grasp on where you guys see those disciplines heading within the next year or two or three. That is a very open-ended question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it can go, yes, obviously it can go many different ways. Um, so some of the examples that I, I came across were just like advances in U, U, uh, VR um, and using artificial intelligence and machine learning and incorporating that into the, the way that you design from that standpoint. Um, the one I was most interested in is um, voice, voice-activated um, interface. Um, and just, you know, we already use it and have been using it for years and, and I never realized how much thought goes into kind of just like the oh what's the word uh almost like speech trees like the, the that hierarchy that decides how a statement should go whether or not you know certain dialects are picked up a certain way certain accents are picked up a certain mm-hmm. way shouts out to you julio um, <laughs> <laughs> inappropriate <laughs> hey the show is called provoke sometimes you gotta you gotta poke the wasp nest a little bit <laughs> Um, but yeah, like, like just what are, what are some of y'all's thoughts on, on where, you, where would you well, like to see it go? I think everything is, 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 is getting, uh, easier, I'll say, like to do, um, like, wow, okay. like, like, I don't know. I, I he's not supposed to, right now, right now, like every night before I used to like turn off, turn off like three different lights in my house and right. now I just simply say Alexa turn off you know like in my living room <laughs> shut and, down and yeah and, and that's it um, uh-huh. and I think in in the future there's a lot of stuff that are gonna be like simply faster right and easier to like right now you can change channels make appointments you know those, those kind of things mm-hmm. and I see like people using more and more those technologies right um and that's how how I see everything going. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see uh, voice interface being like alone by itself. Okay. Because uh, you know you don't want to see you know people just talking by the, themselves in, uh, <laughs> in an office or something. Wait, I mean, you don't, you're always you don't gonna do that. Re- <laughs> well, you, I think you're always gonna rely on uh, having maybe a keyword or some some kind of other interface right. with it. Huh. Um, I don't see it by itself. But. Okay. I think, yeah, I think integration is, is absolutely going to be huge yeah. with, I mean, we're seeing it more and more with, with, uh, especially on your phone, like apps will be able to integrate with one another. Mm. Um, right. You can, you can now tell your Google assistant to open up this and play it on your, whatever your speaker. Um, and that's, I think that's really coming in to be yeah. a huge, huge, uh, game changer for user experience where now you can send things from one device to another mm-hmm. more or less seamlessly and we're getting more and more to that um and it would be you know just speaking out of the web development game it would be 
really incredible to be able to have have uh, you know somebody open up a site in Chrome and in Google Chrome and then and they'll have an option where you can uh, I don't know send a piece of information to I think you can already send something to your calendar mm-hmm. you know, straight out of Chrome uh, straight out of your web browser um, to be able to send something to your phone I do that with Google Maps all the time right um, so that that kind of integration is really cool um, yeah. so another hypothetical because I, I just I like to, to pick y'all's brains and see how you guys think would there ever be a time where websites specifically the desktop version of websites become obsolete depends on the way we access that information okay um, I would say the desktop version of websites will be uh, relevant until the desktop stops being relevant mm-hmm. yeah Um you know, it, it really, I think it's all coming down to, it's not a different version of it anymore. Now right. you have your site, you see it on your phone, it looks different, but it's all, it's the same, it's the same content. information. Mm-hmm. It's all the same content. Yeah. Uh, that you see on your desktop and, and let's, if we circle back, let's go to, uh, one day we will have that VR situation where right. you're, you're basically going to be looking at the same content. It's mm-hmm. just going to be how it's presented on different devices. That's what we work with. Okay. Yeah. And well, it's interesting. Cause I'm like, in my opinion, I'm I'm going to go to the desktop version of a website for a specific reason. I'm going to look at the my my you know my wearable watch version of the website for a specific reason. So just intrinsically the design and the things that are presented in that version should change as well for in Am I wrong in that? How they how you present it in each interface, but it's, mm-hmm. it's an essential is the same content and the same information. There should never be a situation where a user can't complete an action on one device that okay. they can Not complete on one. the other. Okay. However, you can also, you know, very much take into account what uh, somebody accessing on their phone is more likely to be doing. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you might want to present that information more readily. Something right. that's a little maybe, maybe quicker to get their, the the information they need or to be, complete the action they want to because they're on their phone. They're probably on the go. They're not really sitting down to do something with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So to kind of cap everything off... Um, are there any kind of like go-to tools or resources that you can kind of share with the audience, um, the the uh, and the other UX UI and just web designers out there or developers out there who might be uh, listening that you guys um, swear by or just using in the time like right now? Um, maybe like I said before, like to be a good UI and you know web designer, mm-hmm. you you should uh, learn the basics of HTML and CSS. Okay, uh, I think that's a must. I think a person with this knowledge will take better decisions than than someone who doesn't understand the whole development process. Right. Um, so I think that's a must, even though designers don't like code at all. It's, <laughs> um, it's very tricky because I feel like you should. It's 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 really important to know how your your design is going to be built, but at the same time, uh, take all that information. You know, keep it as part of your as part of your arsenal, and then. Uh, Forget it as much as you can when you actually design because you exactly. don't want it to be. You don't want to be building out of a box. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. But going back, I, I I didn't know this was a thing. Like, so wait, designers don't like code? Is that a is that a thing? I mean, uh, not everybody's like it's, it's Julio it's just doesn't like very, code. <laughs> no, I like coding they're, a they're lot. Two very very different animals, you know. Okay. Like, yeah. So, so to, one's very left brained, one's very right brained, and, right. and that 
marriage of the I, two I, is is where you have to find a sweet spot. Right. But yeah. the end goal is the same though, right? Yeah, Regardless I, I of like, coding or not. I like coding um, just because I, I like to see my my designs alive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's what. But like, if, if I have a developer, I will prefer that developer to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, to do the heavy lifting. To do, yeah. The, the, the more, some of the more tedious parts of it. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So is it almost like the uh, like the Matrix where you can you can look at the code and know exactly <laughs> what it looks like in real life? Is that the, is no, that the kind of setup? That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it feels like that sometimes. Yeah. yeah you look at it, you're like, I'll, I'll find uh, when, I, when I see a cool website mm-hmm. uh, that I'm just browsing on my computer at home, um, my my initial my very first instinct is uh, right click and inspect and right. start looking at the code. I'm like, right. how is this built? How is that working? Right. And I'll just kind of drift back and forth between the two. So. Okay, okay, that's good to know. Awesome. Well, guys, I do appreciate you guys coming in. That uh, that wraps up this episode of Provoke. Um, thank you, Julio. Thank you, Ken. Uh, hopefully, we'll have you guys on the show. Uh, very, very soon. Because sure. there's always something to talk about in the wide world of uh, UX and UI. Um, as always, if you guys have any questions, comments, or concerns, be sure to send them to Provoke. That's P-R-O-V-O-K at evokead.com. And be sure to follow us on all of our uh, social media accounts to kind of keep up with our contributions to the advertising world. Um, we do not have a quote today, which is fine. It's been it's been a, a pleasure to have these two very intelligent, very capable. Be your best self. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, there's nothing more you can say. So with that said, y'all take care.